Chapter Five of the Mystery of the Sycamore by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The bugle sounded taps. Although the portions of the house and grounds that were used by Wheeler included the most attractive spots, yet there were many forbidden places that were a real temptation to him. An especial one was the flower-covered arbor that had so charmed Genevieve, and another was the broad and beautiful North Veranda. To be sure, the South Piazza was equally attractive, but it was galling to be compelled to avoid any part of his own domain. However, the passing years had made the conditions a matter of habit, and it was only occasionally that Wheeler's annoyance was poignant. In fact, he and his wife bore the cross better than did Maida. She had never become reconciled to the unjust and arbitrary dictum of the conditional pardon. She lived in a constant fear lest her father should some day inadvertently and unintentionally step on the forbidden ground, and it should be reported. Indeed, knowing her father's quixotic honesty, she was by no means sure he wouldn't report it himself. It had never occurred, probably never would occur, and yet she often imagined some sudden emergency, such as a fire or burglars, that might cause his impulsive invasion of the other side of the house. In her anxiety, she had spoken of this to Samuel Appleby when he was there, but he gave her no satisfaction. He merely replied, a condition is a condition. Curtis Keefe had tried to help her cause by saying, surely a case of danger would prove an exception to the rule. But Appleby had only shaken his head in denial. Though care had been taken to have the larger part of the house on the Massachusetts side of the line, yet the rooms most used by the family were in Connecticut. Here was Mr. Wheeler's den, and this had come to be the most used room in the whole house mrs wheeler's sitting-room which her husband never had entered was also attractive but both mother and daughter invaded the den whenever leisure hours were to be enjoyed the den contained a large south bay window which was maida's favorite spot it had a broad comfortable window seat and here she spent much of her time hurled up among the cushions reading there were long curtains which half-drawn hid her from view, and often she was there for hours without her father's knowing it. His own work was engrossing. Cut off from his established law business in Massachusetts, he had at first felt unable to start anew in different surroundings. Then, owing to his wife's large fortune, it was decided that he should give up all business for a time. And as the time went on, and there was no real necessity for an added income. Wheeler had indulged in his hobby of book collecting, and had amassed a library of unique charm as well as goodly intrinsic value. Moreover, it kept him interested and occupied, and prevented his becoming morose or melancholy over his restricted life. So, many long days he worked away at his books, and Maida hidden in the window-seat watched him lovingly in the intervals of her reading. 
sitting there the morning after samuel appleby's departure she read not at all although a book lay open on her lap she was trying to decide a big matter trying to solve a vexed question maida's was a straightforward nature she never deceived herself if she did anything against her better judgment even against her conscience it was with open eyes and understanding mind she used no sophistry no pretense and if she acted mistakenly she was always satisfied to abide by the consequences and now she set about her problem systematically and methodically determined to decide upon her course and then strictly follow it she glanced at her father absorbed in his book catalogues and indexes and a great wave of love and devotion filled her heart surely no sacrifice was too great that would bring peace or pleasure to that martyred spirit that he was a martyr maida was as sure as she was that she was alive she knew him too well to believe for an instant that he had committed a criminal act it was an impossibility for one of his character but that she could do nothing about the question had been raised and settled when she was too young to know anything about it and now her simple duty was to do anything she might to ease his burden and to help him to forget and she said to herself first of all he must stay in this home he positively must and that's all there is about that now if he knows if he has the least hint that there is another heir he'll get out at once or at least he'll move heaven and earth to find the heir and then we'll have to move and where to that's an unanswerable question anyway i've only one sure conviction i've got to keep him from all knowledge or suspicion of that other heir maybe it isn't true maybe mr appleby made it up but i don't think so at any rate i have to proceed as if it were true and do my best and first of all i've got to hush up my own conscience i've too much of my father's nature to want to live here if it rightfully belongs to someone else i feel like a thief already but i'm going to bear that i'm going to live under that horrid conviction that i'm living a lie for father's sake maida was in earnest by nature and by training her conscience was actually sensitive to the finest shades of right and wrong she actually longed to announce the possibility of another heir and let justice decide the case but her fiala devotion was in this thing greater even than her conscience her mother too she knew would be crushed by the revelation of the secret but would insist on thorough investigation and if need be on renunciation of the dear home her mental struggle went on at times it seemed as if she couldn't live beneath the weight of such a secret then she knew she must do it what was her own peace of mind compared with her father's what was her own freedom of conscience compared with his tranquillity she thought of telling geoffrey allen but she argued he would feel as the others would 
indeed as she herself did that the matter must be dragged out into the open and settled one way or the other no she must bear the brunt of the thing alone she must never tell anyone then the next point was would mr appleby tell he hadn't said so but she felt sure he would well she must do all she could to prevent that he was to return in a day or two by that time she must work out some plan must think up some way to persuade him not to tell what the argument would be she had no idea but she was determined to try her utmost there was one way but maida blushed even at the thought sam appleby young sam wanted to marry her had wanted to for a year or more many times she had refused him and many times he had returned for another attempt at persuasion to consent to this would enable her to control the senior appleby's revelations it would indeed be a last resort she wouldn't even think of it yet surely there was some other way the poor tortured child was roused from her desperate plannings by a cheery voice calling maida maida here's me geoffrey she cried springing from the window seat and out to greet him dear he said as he took her in his arms dear dear dearest what is troubling you trouble nothing how can i be troubled when you're here but you are you can't fool me you know never mind you can tell me later i've got three whole days how's that splendid how did it happen old bennett went off for a week's rest a doctor's orders and he said if i did up my chores nice and proper i could take a little vacation myself oh you peach you're twice as beautifuler as ever a whirlwind embrace followed this speech and left maida breathless and laughing while her father smiled benignly upon the pair it was some hours later that as they sat under the big sycamore geoffrey allen begged maida to tell him her troubles for i know you're pretty well broken up over something he declared how do you know she smiled at him why my girl i know every shadow that crosses your dear heart do i wear my heart on my sleeve then you don't have to for me to see it i recognize the signs from your face your manner your voice your whole being is trembling with some fear or some deeply rooted grief so tell me all about it and maida told not the last horrible threat that samuel appleby had told her alone but the state of things as appleby had presented it to daniel wheeler himself and so you see jeff it's a deadlock father won't vote for young sam i don't mean only vote but throw all his influence and that means a lot on sam's side and if he doesn't mr appleby won't get him pardoned you know we hoped he would this year yes dear it would mean so much to us yes and to dad and mother too 
well there's no hope of that unless father throws himself heart and soul into the appleby campaign and he won't do that of course not he couldn't jeff he'd have to subscribe to what he doesn't believe in practically subscribe to a lie and you know father yes and you too and myself none of us would want him to do that maida doesn't necessity ever justify a fraud jeff the question was put so wistfully that the young man smiled nixie and you know that even better than i do dear why maida what i love you most for yes even more than your dear sweet beauty of face is the marvelous beauty of your nature your character your flawless soul attracted me first of all even as i saw it shining through your clear honest eyes oh geoffrey and maida's clear eyes filled with tears i'm not honest i'm not true blue then nobody on this green earth is don't say such things dear i know what you mean that you think you want your father to sacrifice his principles in part at least to gain his full pardon thereby see how i can read your thoughts but you don't really think that you only think you think it if the thing came to a focus you'd be the first one to forbid the slightest deviation from the line of strictest truth and honor oh jeff do you think i would of course i think so i know it you are a strange make-up maida on an impulse i can imagine you doing something wrong even something pretty awful but with even a little time for thought you couldn't do a wrong what maida was truly surprised i could jump into any sort of wickedness i didn't quite put it that way jeff laughed but well you know it's my theory that given opportunity anybody can yield to temptation nonsense it's a poor sort of honor that gives out at a critical moment not at all most people can resist anything except temptation given a strong enough temptation and a perfect opportunity and your staunchest most conscientious spirit is going to succumb i don't believe that you don't have to and maybe it isn't always true but it often is howsoever it has no bearing on the present case your father is not going to lose his head and though you might do so he smiled at her i can't see you getting a chance you're not in on the deal in any way are you no except that mr appleby asked me to use all my influence with father which you've done yes it made not the slightest impression of course not i say maid young sam isn't coming down here is he not that i know of but maida couldn't help her rising color for she knew what alan was thinking just let him try it that's all just let him show his rubicon countenance in these parts if he wants trouble does anybody ever want trouble maida smiled a little why of course they do 
sometimes they want it so much that they borrow it i'm not doing that i've had it offered to me in full measure heaped up pressed down and running over poor little girl don't take it so hard dearest i'll have a talk with your father and we'll see how matters really stand i doubt it's as bad as you fear and anyway if no good results come our way things are no worse than they have been for years your father has lived fairly contented and happy let things drift and in another year or two after the election is a thing of the past we can pick up the pardon question again by that time you and i will be where will we be maida i don't know jeff well we'll be together anyway you'll be my wife and if we can't live in boston we can live out of boston and that's all there is about that you'll have to come here to live there's enough for us all settle down here and sponge on your mother i see it but never you mind lady fair something will happen to smooth out our path perhaps this old tree will take it into its head to go over into massachusetts and so blaze a trail for your father and you oh very likely but i've renewed my vow jeff unless father can go into the state i never will all right sweetheart renew your vow whenever its time limit expires i'm going to fix things so no vows will be needed except our marriage vows will you take them dear when the time comes yes but maida did not smile and jeff watching her closely concluded there was yet some point on which she had not enlightened him however he asked no further question but bided his time guess i'll chop down the old tree while i'm here and ship it into massachusetts as firewood he suggested fine idea maida acquiesced but you'll only have your trouble for your pains you see the stipulation was without the intervention of human hands all right we'll chop it down by machinery then i wish the tree promise meant anything but it doesn't it was only made as a proof positive how impossible was any chance of pardon but now a chance of pardon has come yes but a chance that cannot be taken you'll be here jeff when they come back then you can talk with mr appleby and maybe as man to man you can convince him convince nothing don't you suppose i've tried every argument i know of with that old dutter head i've spent hours with him discussing your father's case i've talked myself deaf dumb and blind with no scrap of success but i don't mind telling you maida that i might have moved the old duffer to leniency if it hadn't been for you me yes you know well enough young sam's attitude toward you and old appleby as good as said if i'd give up my claim on your favor and give sunny sam a chance there'd be hope for your father hm indeed you don't say and you replied i didn't reply much of anything 
for if i'd said what i wanted to say he would have been quite justified in thinking that i was no fit mate for a christian girl let's don't talk about it that night maida went to her room leaving allan to have a long serious talk with her father she hoped much from the confab for jeff allen was a man of ideas and of good sound judgment he could see straight and could advise sensibly and well and maida hoped too that something would happen or some way would be devised that the secret told her by appleby might be of no moment perhaps there was no heir save in the old man's imagination or perhaps it was only someone who would inherit a portion of the property, leaving enough for their own support and comfort. At any rate, she went to bed comforted and cheered by the knowledge that Jeff was there, and that if there was anything to be done, he would do it. She had vague misgivings because she had not told him what Appleby had threatened. But, she argued, if she decided to suppress that bit of news, she must not breathe it to anybody not even jeff so encouraged at the outlook and exhausted by her day of worriment she slept soundly till well into the night then she was awakened by a strange sound it gave her at first a strange impression of being on an ocean steamer she couldn't think why for her half-awake senses responded only to the vague sense of familiarity with such a sound but wide awake in a moment she heard more of it and realized that it was a bugle to which she listened the clear though not loud notes of a bugle amazed she jumped from her bed and looked out of a window in the direction of the sound she saw nothing and heard the last faint notes die away as she listened there was no further sound and she returned to bed and after a time fell asleep again she pondered over the occurrence while dressing next morning wondering what it meant downstairs she found only geoffrey in the dining-room hear anything funny in the night maida he asked her yes a bugle she returned did you hear it of course i did who plays the thing around here no one that i know of wasn't it rather strange rather i should say so made me think of the old english castles where spooks walk the parapets and play on bugles or bagpipes or some such doings oh those silly stories but this was a real bugle played by a real man how do you know by the sound spook bugles sound just the same how do you know how could they be heard if they didn't here's your father good morning mr wheeler who's your musical neighbor but daniel wheeler did not smile go up to your mother maida dear he said she she isn't well cheer her up all you can what's the trouble allan asked solicitously as maida ran from the room a strange thing my boy did you hear a bugle call last night yes sir it sounded taps is there a camp nearby 
no nothing of the sort now well to put it frankly there is an old tradition in mrs wheeler's family that a phantom bugler in that very way announces an approaching death good lord you don't mean she believes that she does and what can i say to disprove her belief we all heard it who could have done such a trick i don't know who but somebody did that bugle was played by a pair of good strong human lungs not by a spirit breath it sounded so but that doesn't affect mrs wheeler's belief if i could produce the bugler and get him to admit it she might believe him but otherwise she's sure it was the traditional bugler and that earthly days are numbered for someone of our little family you don't believe this foolishness sir i can't my nature rejects the very idea of the supernatural yet who could or would do it there's no neighbor who would and i know of no one round here who knows the tradition oh pshaw it's the merest casual occurrence a boy scout like as not or a gay young chap returning from a merry party there are lots of explanations quite apart from spooks i hope you can persuade mrs wheeler of that she is nervously ill and will hear of no rational explanation for the bugle call beg her to come down to breakfast do then we'll all jolly her up until she loses her fears but though allan's attempt was a brave one and ably seconded by mrs wheeler's husband and daughter they made not the slightest progress toward relieving her fears or disabusing her mind of her conviction End of chapter five